We've got one more. Oh my God. 44 seconds. Rounding the curve. Listen to this crowd. pick up and she was so excited to be here she was walking around picking up her swag and she was literally crying and i know that would be me too uh, so i so related to this lady this is awesome everybody's screaming at me and i'm like i'm going as fast as i can <laughs> <laughs> but i literally didn't think i was gonna make it and I didn't check my watch, so I had no idea how close I was. Well, hello again, world. This is me, Marty G, and this is the Miles with Marty podcast, episode 48. And that was me in the beginning, very emotional, narrating as best I could through tears, Jen St. Amon's awesome final official finisher of the Western States Endurance Run. It was the last minute of the golden hour. And man, what an awesome thing to witness. I have watched the streaming of the Golden Hour the last two years, and it's incredible just watching it live streaming. But to be there in person at that track, man, there's nothing like it in the world of ultra running that I've ever experienced. I think it's a must-do for everyone in the ultra running community. And that second clip after that narration by me was my new friend Jen, just talking a little bit about how she felt as she came onto that track. I think you're going to really like this interview if you're a fan of Western States. If you're not, I think you'll be one after this interview. I may be wrong. We'll see. But anyway, we're going to do the intro, hear a word from our sponsor, Squirrel's Nut Butter, and play a little music, and then we'll jump right into the interview. Let's live it up while we still can. Let's live it up while we still can. I face my problems man to man. Hello friends, this is the Miles with Marty podcast, home base for running community love, and you are welcome here. We're sponsored by Squirrel's Nut Butter, and I really believe in this product. Let me tell you a little story about my first Ultra. It was October of 2020, and it was the Blue Ridge Ultra up, and you guessed it, Blue Ridge, Georgia. A hurricane, I believe it was called Delta, had hit the Florida Gulf Coast a day or two before that and was moving northeasterly up through the mountains of North Georgia. And it happened to hit the night before the race. And so at race start, it was pouring rain. I mean, pouring. A good friend of mine had recommended Squirrel's Nut Butter to me, and I ordered some on Amazon to try it out. 
and at the start of the race I applied that stuff generously to my feet all over and to all the areas that may chafe. So I spent a long time on this course for my first 50k. I made it under the cutoff but it was not pretty but it was during that long amount of time I never reapplied the squirrel's nut butter and never had not one blister or chafing. So I am now a loyal user and ambassador of squirrel's nut butter. Spread the lube and your blister and chafing issues will no longer be issues. You can find it on squirrelsnutbutter.com, Amazon, and coming soon to the local running stores near you. Hey everybody, welcome to the Miles with Marty podcast. I've got Jen St. Amon as my guest today. Welcome, Jen. Hi. It's an honor to have Jen today. What is so cool about the Western states is that, and I, and I was busy volunteering when Courtney won the race, but what I noticed from watching video and things like that is Jen, as the final finisher under the cutoff, was treated like royalty, just like Courtney was treated at the race. And I found that, I mean, I sit there and cried watching you come across that finish line. And do you feel the same way about that? Oh, yes. I've never had a finish quite like that before. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. When when I publish this podcast, I probably, during the beginning, will play a part of my, because I was uh, doing like a FaceTime, Facebook Live video at the time when you ran across. And I said something like, I said, okay, here's the last, she's got like 40 minutes, um, 40 seconds. I mean, and then I said, oh, is she going to make it? And and then you run across, and I'm sitting there uh, choked up, kind of tearing. Oh. And, uh, and then I said, oh, she went down. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, she's back up. She's okay. <laughs> and so, so it's, yeah, I was overcome with emotion more than anything, I think, at the end. Absolutely. <laughs> I And I actually got so many, so many people gave me that feedback that they got emotional just watching me. But <laughs> I didn't, the thing is, is what everybody doesn't understand is I didn't realize like people were following me, like you're way out in the middle of the woods, <laughs> you know, and you're thinking I'm, I'm in my own head. Like I'm completely insulated from everything. It's so, like, I had no idea. I, I, I was just running like my own race, like yeah. up until the very end. I didn't think I was actually even going to make it, but I was determined to like, no matter what, like I was going to finish, you know, yeah. that's all that mattered to me at that point, yeah. <laughs> whether I get it in, in uh, 30 hours. I mean, when I saw that it was possible, of course, <laughs> yeah. I was all into that, but I wasn't sure. And it's never guaranteed, I guess. So yeah, that's awesome. Now, I think I'm right on this, but you correct me if I'm wrong. You know, I don't know if you remember this, but I during the bib pickup, then mm-hmm. you go through after you get your bib and take your picture, then you go through the line and get, pick up all the swag, you know, the hoka bag, and then you get some gooders and some dry max socks and some different things. And I was handing out squirrels nut butter, goodies, mm-hmm. and it seemed to me like you were the person that was coming through, and you were so happy to be there that you were tearing you were emotional kind of tearing up <laughs> through that line wasn't that you i mean i yeah i was doing that why'd you have to expose me <laughs> <laughs> oh hey, i would be i mean i would be the same way i mean <laughs> yeah it means that much to me although i don't have near about the uh race experience that you do i just started in 2018 running um, that was my first marathon. And so I don't have near as many ultras as you, 100 milers in particular as you. But uh, 
but it means, you know, that much to me that, you know, I would be bawling going through that <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it was a long journey to finally get there. Um, yeah. Ran a lot of hundreds <laughs> in order yeah. to get there. Well, well we'll get to that in the process of getting yeah. getting in there. So I wanted to make sure that was you because I actually, in my video, I actually said that, that I said, this, oh, yeah. this race means so much to this girl. I know because I remember when she came to the line and she was all emotional and so yeah. I'll share that. I'll send you that video. Yeah, I could hardly when I was going through the this is so silly to me now, but when I was going through the line, I felt like I it sounds crazy. It was almost like an outer body experience. I don't know how to explain it. It felt like I was so emotional that I was like I had to be led around. Like it was I'm glad they allowed somebody to come with you in there. They said yeah. only one person. And I remember thinking, I'm I don't I'm scared. <laughs> Yeah. Somebody make sure I do the right things and I sign and I go get the things and I don't miss anything. Yeah, yeah. it was overwhelming, <laughs> which is it's just it's just it's just the beginning. Right. Right. Um, right. It's just pack a pickup for crying out loud. <laughs> get yeah. a hold of yourself. <laughs> yeah. But they do it special there. I mean, it's, you know, one yeah. Western states is all of the volunteers and all the people involved with the race they know how much it means to the runner, you know, because lots of people took them a long time to get into it and lots of sweat and tears and that kind of stuff. And so they make sure that the runner, you know, gets treated like royalty and oh yeah, being in the position that I was, and it was purely by coincidence that I ended up where I was because <clears throat> originally I was going to do a different thing that day. I was going to hang out over across the way at the, uh, expo, I guess you call it, where all the uh, vendors have the tents set up, you know, mm -hmm. kind of walk through there. I was going to hang out there at the Squirrel's Nut Butter tent and and sell product with the owner, Chris Thornley. But the girl that was, there was a girl named uh, Lindsay that was supposed to come and dress up like the squirrel and <laughs> hand out the product. And she was running late. So I ended up getting put in that job. So I got oh. to be... I got to admit, I didn't dress up like the squirrel. Oh, I guess it was that you. <laughs> <laughs> she she ended up showing up and dressing up like the squirrel. But <laughs> I did. I got to stand there and hand out squirrel's nut butter, and I met every single runner in the race, every one of them. Oh, and so that's pretty cool. That awesome. Yeah, and so it was that was a fun <laughs> deal for me. So before we jump into that whole process of getting into the race and trying to get in, tell us a little bit about your story. When did you get into running? And then ultra running and hundreds. Okay. So I guess my, I started running when I joined the military at 17. Um, I actually was pretty, I wasn't athletic or anything. High school, I'm from Canada, um, New Brunswick, Canada. And uh, they're like, I don't know, I played hockey and stuff. Like that was probably the only thing that I liked to do, but not professionally or anything. Um, just intramural sports and stuff. And then um, when I joined the military, I like the first, I think we had a physical fitness test in basic training. Um, it was just one of those tests where like they could just kind of see like how you do is not for like record or anything yet. And I had done two miles and like 16 minutes or something and which isn't like blazing or anything, but for somebody who doesn't run <laughs> like at all before that point, the drill sergeants freaked out over it a little bit. And um, they're like, oh, you're doing really great. And they usually just do no nothing but disparage you. Um, so to get any kind of net positive intention at all, I mean, I just like totally like clung on to that. And I just 
it just like drove me. Um, and I felt like confidence over it. Um, I did get injured in basic training, um, probably because I pushed myself so hard. But anyway, that is sort of like where it all started for me, my love of running. Um, and I mostly throughout my career, always competed against men. I really didn't know anything about the ultra world or anything about anything competitive. I All I knew was um, I was a tank mechanic. <laughs> and so I was just competing against guys all the time. And the one way that I knew like that they would be impressed is physically, even though I'm five foot one, um, if I could like, most of them didn't like running. So it was pretty easy to do. <laughs> I can usually outrun them. And there's something that we do in the military where we uh, run in formations, what they call in big groups. Um, and we usually run with like a, a flag, I guess, for lack of a better, I mean, and I would steal that from other units and run around. And you have to have a little bit of endurance to do that, like, because it's kind of heavy and you have to run around. And it's kind of like, they don't like it, right? Like if you steal it from some of these guys, it's not, it's not the greatest thing. So it just from early on, like I really took a lot of pride in that. Um, and always got kind of singled out for being okay, like pretty, pretty good at it. Um, and I probably competed in like the two mile, just that two mile distance for like years. I mean, I, uh, was in active duty military for some time. And then, um, there was a time, a couple of deployments and on my second deployment, um, I actually, I was away from my kids and I started to, I started to feel kind of sad over that. Right. Um, and so I started to compete for, I was like, well, what about doing a marathon? And it really seemed like, and this was like an Oh three, um, it seemed like this really big goal that I could focus on that kind of distracted me from some of the pain that was going on in my life. Um, and um, I had some really good mentors and uh, they told me, you know, this was during a time where GPS wasn't like readily available. All I did was use a watch and I would, I used a uh, Hell Higdon's online training program and it was free, right? You could just go on there and you could use the novice um, and I would, it was for time. So you'd run for like one or two hours or something like that. And like, that would be your, like every day you ran for like an hour and it was perception based as well. So it made it kind of easy, but I really didn't have any idea like what I was doing <laughs> because when I went, I did the Frankfurt marathon, um, and I finished just under four hours. <laughs> and I, but like, I remember thinking halfway through it, I didn't like, I didn't, I didn't take in like any kind of food. I didn't, <laughs> I drank water, but like just what was at the aid. Um, like, I didn't know, like I said, like it was just early, early days. So it didn't really know a lot. Um, and then I spent quite a few years, like after that, um, I got off my deployment, um, went, came to Minnesota, um, in 04 with my husband, I had a couple more kids. And after I was done having kids then I, ran another marathon here in Rochester, Minnesota, the Med City Marathon. It's kind of like my comeback marathon, I think, because I didn't think, you know, when I ran my first one, I remember thinking, like, during that time frame, like, when I talked to people about it, it's like people did one marathon, that was it. Oh, yeah, you just, like, check it off. Like, oh, I ran a marathon, you know, and you never run another one again. <laughs> got, got the magnet for their car and then never ran another one, Yeah, right? it's <laughs> like, so I didn't think it was, like, a thing that people did multiple times. And then um, I ran, well, actually, just before I ran my my comeback, I think I ran a trail 10 mile here called the Chester Woods. Um, and that, I don't, that really like lit a fire in me. Um, I placed 
in that in that race, first my age group or something. And um, it kind of like made me remember like kind of who I was before deployment, before having kids. And I'm like, wow, I really love running. And like, I, I missed, I was out of the military at that point and I had a break in service. Um, and I, I missed the competitive, com- you know, the competitiveness that you get. Like I, I was used to competing against men all the time. And, um, you know, just in general, when you're in the military, it's kind of competitive, right? And when I got out, I just like, all of a sudden I was isolated here in Minnesota. I live in a country area. Like there's, you don't see people. I'm not from here originally. So I was like transplanted here. And like, there was something about, you know, running that drew me back into that competitive world. I was like, wow, I can like work on this. Um, And I I started running with a group of runners in, in Southern Minnesota. And I started doing, I found a mentor, you know, um, I, there's this one guy from my community, his name is Tom Wu and he like helped me run and get better and, and start crushing marathons. Um, and I'm actually like one, I <laughs> came in second, one money and things like that. Like I didn't always come or anything, but I was starting to do pretty good. And he got me into doing like, Oh, you're going to, you're going to run, um, like on the weekends for, for speed work, I would run like a 10 K or a 5 K and in, in t- training up for these marathons. And it, it got to where I was wearing, running a marathon almost every month. <laughs> and, you know, and one marathon was like training for the next marathon. And then I started eyeing ultras a little bit. And, but Wu kept telling me, he's like, no, no, no. If you start doing those, they're going to slow you down. He's like, <laughs> and he would tell me all these stories. He told me these stories, about other, uh, runners, really great marathoners that he's like, you still have all this time ahead of you. And, like, if you start doing that, it's going to slow you down. You're not going to, you're not going to be as fast anymore. Um, and so that, I think that was probably like in my mid thirties, like timelines wise, I'm pretty, I'm probably off a little bit. I don't know exactly, but, um, and what happened was I ran a 50 K and I ran a 50 miler. And after I ran that 50 miler, I was, I felt like, like a complete badass. Like I <laughs> felt, yeah, it made, it just did something. I don't know what it was. I felt because at the end of it, I felt so good. And I think that's important for people, people who've, who've never ran before, I guess, or like run a 50 miler, they need to understand that they need to train well enough so that at the end you feel so good, you know, because I felt like I could keep running. And I'm like, wait a minute, I could do more than this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, but again, uh, my uh, mentor kept telling me you need to calm down and <laughs> still focus on these marathons. <laughs> so I tried to get under, I was getting fast enough in the marathon. I think my PR is 311. And I wanted to get under three hours. And so um, during that process, though, I did get injured. And there was a lot of like, because back to back running and speed work and all this kind of stuff. I was ju- I was probably just taking on a little bit too much. Um, and I got injured. I had to take a couple of weeks or months off, um, not completely, but like downtime. And then I ran a 50K and I won it. And I was just like, okay. I went and saw a doctor and the doctor was like, you know, if you really want to continue doing this, you're going to have to dial it back a notch. And I'm like, well, he made it sound like I might have to quit running someday. And I'm so the sense of urgency behind that made me feel like, well, I've always wanted to do a hundred. So I better go do one. <laughs> <laughs> so I better figure it out. I better figure it out, figure out how to do a hundred without being on medication, like on and NSAIDs or anything like that. So to keep that inflammation down, I had to make a few lifestyle changes. I signed up for my first hundred, the superior. And started training for that. And um, that that went really well. I came in first, um, 
master's in that race. I can't remember my division place, but um, I think it was like fifth or something female overall, maybe. But I mean, and that's a very gnarly <laughs> uh, race. It's pretty hard. I feel like I look at my finish line pictures. I'm like, whoa, I look like I aged 10 years at the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so satisfying. I was definitely hooked on hundreds after that. I was like, nothing else mattered. And I didn't get injured. And I have to tell you, I have really been injured since then. And that was in 2017. So I don't know if marathons were just hard on my body um, or what, but uh, so then I, um, after Superior, you know, I found out that was a Western States qualifier, learned a little bit about Western States, figured what the heck, you know, throw my name in. Obviously I didn't get picked. Um, but then it sort of like lit a fire in me to keep trying because it's something to go for, I guess. I didn't know enough about Western States to get as excited as I was like this last year when I actually <laughs> went, but it was sort of like, just, okay, well, here's this lofty goal of like, I'm going to run hundreds anyway. So I might as well do it for a reason, you know, like this other reason. Um, and so I went to the Kettle Moraine the very next year in 2018 um, and I took 10 hours off my, off my PR time. And wow. I'm like, what other, what other sport could you ever do that? <laughs> 10 hours. It's crazy to think is most people won't even run for 10 hours, but here I went from, I think it was 31 hours, something at superior, um, which this is a 37 hour cutoff time for that race. And for good reason. Um, and the kettle, which is more of a, it's more of a roly type course. They call it death by a thousand lashes because it's got the moraines and that's what those are like these green grassy hills or whatever. Um, definitely not as technical, um, but it's still hard because it's a hundred miles. I mean, you can't ever say hundred miles isn't hard. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I came in first masters in that one as well. And third female overall. And wow. uh, I think I did that oh, 20 hours, 20 hours, 50 minutes. I'm looking at, I wrote my, my times over here. So that way I wouldn't forget. Um, and that was pretty amazing. So I just kept going. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, that was 2018 and 2018. I actually went and ran. I thought, well, I started chasing time again. Now I'm back to marathon mentality, right? Like, but you know, it was for like, you have to readjust your expectations because it's for the hundred mile distance and not, not for the, uh, uh, the marathon distance and not on the road. So even Tunnel Hill, um, as much as my friends who do trails think that it's, it sounds terrible because it's, co- it's so flat. Um, it's not though, <laughs> <laughs> I'm defending it. It's not that flat. Um, it's not a hilly though. I will admit that it's, but it's, it's got a nice, it's not like running on pavement. It's got a nice, uh, texture, uh, to the trail. It's, and that's why it's considered, it's actually considered a trail and road. Um, by the USATF and whoever, because that's where actually the year that I ran it, I think it was, that was the year that uh, Zach Bitter actually broke the world record (laughs) there. Um, And it's a stacked field. So like when you run that race, you know, you're running against people who are chasing time. They want to be fast. So that was super fun. Like just that whole element of it, you know, that, you know, when you're running up sort of towards the middle or the front of the pack, you're like with like some amazing runners. Um, and to just be in the top 10, uh, which I did finish, I ended up finishing that one in uh, fifth place with a time of 1849, wow. uh, which yeah, it took some more time off. And that's all I was doing at this point was trying to reduce. But then also Tunnel Hill is a qualifier for Western and it qualifies you a year ahead out. 
So I was qualified for two years now that year because I qualified with cattle, but I also uh, qualified for the next year after with that time that because it's in November and because of where it falls, it, it qualifies you. So it qualified me for two years. Wow. Um, so yeah, I was ready to like not get picked that first year. <laughs> I already had another t- uh, qualifying time. So then, um, yeah, I don't know. Do you want me to continue on with the rest of my hundreds or yeah, you are, yeah you are doing a fantastic. <laughs> um, so then I, yeah. So then, um, I, you know, I kind of focused in on these flatter races cause I was still chasing time. I went to lean horse in 2019, which I highly recommend beautiful race. You're, um, it's not Black Hills. <laughs> I've done Black Hills. I've basically done that whole course um, pacing for someone because I had to go back twice because she didn't finish the first time. <laughs> um, so I've done the whole course. Black Hills is more like superior, but with like 90 degree heat. <laughs> it's like it's very technical um, up and down and a lo- it's, it's, it's so hot. But anyway, Lean Horse is straight through cattle country and straight through mountains. Um, you get to see, uh, the black Hills, the glittery, uh, rock. It's so pretty breathtaking. Um, and, but it is at elevation. It starts, it starts in Custer. I believe it's a close to 5,000 feet elevation and you go up to six or 7,000. And I live in flatland. There is no elevation where I live. I'm probably like at 500 feet right now talking to you <laughs> and there's no Hills around here. They're just, well, they're long, you know, we live in cornfields here. It's not much to see. Um, so, um, I, I mean, I just went there with, the, you know, with, I just tra- did hard training and hoped for the best. And, um, I did amazing at that race. I almost quit though. There is a story to that about the marathon point into it. Um, I had my crew, I had one, one crew there, um, Sarah Chapman and, my, my brother had come up from Canada and he was waiting for me here. And it was sort of a spur of the moment trip, but he never comes here to Minnesota. And so I was like, so looking forward to seeing him, but I had to leave. <laughs> and so I was eight hours away over there. And I mean, it was on my mind. I think it affected me. I got up, there's a, a, a quick ascent at the beginning of the race, but you're at elevation and it's in the heat. Um, and I was going pretty fast. I got to about, like I said, the marathon mark and I... I actually, I was telling my pacer, like, I don't, I don't feel good. Like I was about to pass out. Like, I felt like I was hyperventilating. <sighs> She's like, just slow down and eat some bacon and, and, <laughs> and go to the next aid station. I'm like, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> but I did that. And actually, eventually, like, I didn't walk for very long. I started running again and I ended up winning that race. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, from almost quitting to winning, you know, like, it's just um, kind of ridiculous how that can happen. And so I get it. <laughs> um, so tell me about the temperature. I'm gonna stop you just a minute, because I'm yeah. very interested in that race. You've already sold me I'm going next year. Oh, you got to go. Um, so tell me about the temperatures there. Yeah, you know, I want to say like, I'm relying on my poor memory here. But I want to say it was like in the 80s. But you're in the direct it's exposed quite a bit. From what I remember, there's, I mean, there's a lot that's not exposed to you're going through, you do go through tunnels, uh, train okay. tunnels and things. Yeah. And there's mountains around you and stuff. Um, the overnight's beautiful, especially if you get to the halfway point by then, then it's a net down for about 17 miles. So you can really just take off, but the net up when you're doing it, you don't really feel it. It's yeah. so, yeah, it's like a, a slow percent grade, right? Cause it's a train, a rail to trail. Um, so it's never what above three percent or four percent grade is what it's supposed to be for them. So yeah, the the temperature was like in the eighties. It can be hot. It can be definitely hotter than that. 
Um, of course, when it's in the 80s, it feels like it's like in the 90s to you when you're running. So you do well, got to take care of yourself. It's in August, so you get what you pay for, right? Yep. Yep. But yeah, you just take care of yourself during the day and then just take off at night and you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, the aid's great there. They have good aid stations. Um, not as good as in Minnesota with Rocksteady. <laughs> Our aid stations are the best. I don't know if you've heard that, but. <laughs> I have now. <laughs> yeah, they're the best. Um, if you ever get a chance to run any of the races here, the Zumbro 100 or the uh, Superior, you will be. I mean, just to run, like even just to like do it just for the aid. It's so much fun. There's huge parties. Everybody's having a good time. So I won lean horse. And then let's see, I went back to tunnel again, trying to chase that time. Had a few issues that year in that race. Um, I, I did beat my previous time, but, but it was just by a couple of minutes. Um, I ended up having to take a lot of potty breaks on the way back. Um, so I was kind of disappointed with that, but not terribly. I still, still came in like sixth female, um, which making top 10 in that race, doesn't matter like you and actually that year uh ultra running magazine they print off like the top 100 uh fastest times and i was on it twice right. so yeah that's freaking cool like i think i was in the top 25 too actually now that's because i ran flat races <laughs> let's be honest with ourselves here <laughs> but but hey it's still pretty cool <laughs> like you I said, like there are no easy hundreds no, that's right. There's no easy hundred. So, um, so let's see next, uh, the next year after that. And so, like I said, every year I kept applying, um, to Western. So here we are 2019 and then COVID hit, <laughs> right? So 2019 I had run tunnel. And so I was good. Like, even though we had that by year, I was still good for the next year after that, actually. Um, so, uh, I, I actually, that year I did my own FKT out at Whitewater State Park here in Minnesota and ran a a 50, 50 miles. Well, it was like 48, actually. It was like, I don't know how many loops it was. And, um, but that was like my only real challenge that I can recall doing that year, like just for my own self, because I needed something, I need something structured to do, to train, to keep myself motivated. Um, and then in 2020, um, also, I think it was 2020, I went and did the R to R to R we went, it might've been 2021. I can't remember. I think it was 2021. Sorry. Spring of 2021. I went out there with some friends out of the Grand Canyon and did that, which that was an amazing experience. And I can't wait to go do that again, but doing 50 miles out there feels like a hundred. <laughs> so you ran it or hiked it? No, I ran it. We okay. ran it. Um, well, so we ran it. I would say I ran it and my friends somewhat hiked it because <laughs> they kept I mean complaining. In ultras, there's always some hiking that takes place. If oh, yeah, there's hiking. Like, you're not like, mean, going up the north end. We call it running if we're because it's the effort that counts, right? In the mindset. This is <laughs> yeah. a race to me. Yeah, we ran through the bottom. <laughs> but going <laughs> up the sides, no. I, we definitely like that. Those those were – I ran some of the north, uh, but I would. Ha it was like elevation and heat. Yeah. And it was funny because there was tons of snow up there, but, like, it was hot. Um, yeah. That was, I can't wait to go do that. I can't wait to go back because that's a great experience just by in itself. And it's, well, I won't say it's free. I mean, you got to get there, but it's kind of free. <laughs> it doesn't cost that much um, to go and just do, you know, just as a yeah. train run. And it, especially here in Minnesota, like if you time it for the springtime, it like, it takes you out of the months long, unending, desolate cold and wind. Because where mm -hmm. I live, you have windmills 
So my, I always joke, I don't need to drag a tire for resistance training. I have the wind. <laughs> that's, that's enough. <laughs> so yeah, it kind of, you know, it, it, um, change, it switches things up. So it gave me something else to focus on. Again, it's still kind of COVID times then too. And um, let's see, then I went and did um, 2021 lean horse again. I went back. <laughs> so great. I decided I'd go back. <laughs> um, it's also very accessible to me again, only an eight hour drive. South Dakota is just right next door. So went over there, did that. Actually crewed at, a, a, like I was saying earlier, one of my friend's races over in um, the Black Hills too that year. Spent a lot of time in South Dakota that year. <laughs> um, and then I actually came in second female that year. Um, with the, My time was a bit slower, I, I believe. And then went to Tunnel Hill again. <laughs> See, see a pattern here. So Tunnel Hill, this year I started to have some issues in 2021. Um, so I started have I had back issues going into that race. And I drove down to that race again. It's like a nine hour, 10 hour drive down to Illinois from where I live. And I think that may have been not a good idea to do. I should have stopped and like stretched more. Um, because I got about, I would say like to the marathon part of it, maybe the 50 mile part of it. And like my back was hurting terribly to where I like needed to like walk some periods or I just couldn't go too fast. It seemed like if I got above my normal, like 50 mile pace for, for the first half would be about eight and a half minute pace. But then after the 50 mile point, I just couldn't, I had to like slow down to like actually a quarter of the way to through it. I had to slow down to like a 10 minute pace. Um, and, but I could keep running. That you know, that's the thing is like if you can keep running, keep running, you know what I mean? Because like somebody else had to convince me that like they were walking as fast as I was running. <laughs> so <laughs> that's frustrating when that happens because I'm short and they're tall and they can do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I felt like well, he's like, Oh, you could still get sub 24. And I'm like, All right. So I finished. Um, definitely not my best best time. I th- uh let's see but still under 24 hours. So 2254, but, you know, comparing that to, you know, just a couple of years before when I was running like 18 minute, 18 hour, I was really hoping to get a 17 and a half hour finish. Cause I wanted to get invited to desert solstice. That was what I was sort of trained for. I really wanted to toe the line with those amazing ladies um, and, and do that. But anyways, that didn't work out for me that year. And then um, the next year I went to Hennepin which you won't see that on ultra sign up because they have it underneath my, they put my name all together. So my results are not like with my name right now. I did ask them about that. So they're probably gonna put it in there, but, um, and I blew up at that race about, I was running great for the first half. Um, and then I, I ran into some sort of issues with, um, hydration, um, and gut issues. And I walked a good 30 miles like walked, run, walked, run. Yeah. From the 50 mile to the 80 mile point, And I couldn't eat at all. So I didn't eat for 30 miles. Um, yeah, I couldn't even look at food. It was terrible. And, um, I got to the 80 mile aid station and I decided I, I normally never spend any time at aid stations. I decided to go into the aid station, um, and just sit and see if I could force myself to eat something. And I did, it would took a, like 30 minutes for me to like eat a pancake with um, like a sausage and some syrup in it. But I stood up and I felt like a million bucks and I ran to the finish <laughs> <laughs> after I did that. So 
but that I learned something from that. You know, I just, you hear about other people. I was so lucky that up until then I'd had like pretty well success at my races. I've never really run into issues. Now these last few years, I've had a lot of uh, fueling issues um, and energy issues and stuff. So now I'm like, I feel like I'm really like, I'm 48 and I'm like having to like, like learn, you know, relearn things. So um, about a month after that, I ran the Dino Valley or the Dinosaur, oh gosh, Endurance Run, I think it's what it's called. I, I just forgot what the whole name is, but um, that's down in Texas. I drove down there by myself, had no crew, no pacers. So that was a completely different unknown experience for me. Never done one of my home. I, I was actually sort of like proud to go do that. I've lived in Texas before. I, I mean, I know what the Texas community, how awesome it is there. So, um, I was looking forward to that, but it was nervous because I had to like scope out the start and it was like at the state park, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, and you know, just go do it by myself, but I never, you never do these hundreds by yourself. There's so many wonderful, amazing crew. And I made so many great friends there that they cheered me on at Western here. You know what I mean? Like I still, um, yeah, I still maintain those friendships and, um, I couldn't have done it without them at all. Like I had a really, I struggled at that race too. Um, I had, um, some sort of asthmatic symptoms. I never had that before. I've heard about that and other runners too. Um, but it was like 27 degrees overnight and I was, I developed a wheeze, like I was, um, breathing through a straw. So when every time I go up a hill and it was actually a pretty hilly course, it's a looped course, but every time I'd go up these hills, I just, I couldn't breathe. Um, and so I'd have to walk them and I ended up getting so cold because I just couldn't run like fast enough to keep myself warm. And, and, uh, I did finish, <laughs> I did finish just pretty, it was a pretty bad time. It was like, I wasn't, I wasn't quite last, but almost, <laughs> and, <laughs> but I finished. And like, that's the thing is like, I always finish no matter what, <laughs> like, I don't, I, I try not to let, the, I, I worry that if you let in into your brain that you're going to like, just like, I, I get, I don't want to delegitimize delegit- anyone who's ever had to like, you know, pull themselves out of a race because of injury or anything like that. Absolutely. Like, I don't want to, I'm saying that I know myself and um, if there's a possibility that I can finish, I'm going to go finish. So that's, and there's, you know, there's sometimes uh, it sounds terrible because, but I think other runners probably hearing this probably would agree. They feel the same way. Like there's times during these races where you're like, well, if I keep going, I'm probably going to have an injury at the end of this. (laughs) And you keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Not a bad injury, not like something that takes you out forever, but like, but even if it did, like there's times where you're like, so into the, like, okay, well, if this is my last one, then this is my last one. At least I'm going to go finish it. (laughs) So that's kind of how my brain works. (laughs) Well, it's just, you know, like we were saying before we started, your, the mind is constantly trying to tell you, talk you into quitting sometimes, you know, even though you're committed to finishing at the start and your why is incredible, amazing, wonderful, and all this, there's still that part in the back of your mind that tries to convince you, you know, and, I, and I've certainly been there where, you know, I'll have that thought, I'm pretty sure I have a stress fracture right now, and it's probably <laughs> going to snap if I keep going, but I don't know if that's my mind saying that or if it's real. So I'm going to keep going. <laughs> and I think sometimes, yeah, I think it's lying too. <laughs> but, and and just to digress to that, uh, one thing that I learned at Western States this year is I worked with a, a medical team at Michigan Blood. 
And mm-hmm. I got to talking to the guy that was the team captain, the medical captain. His name is Greg. He's an orthopedic surgeon. And I was telling him about my Achilles experience at the Keys 100. And he said, well, he said, yeah, that was your mind. It was wrong. He said, mm-hmm. an Achilles injury rupture is something that's immediate and happens suddenly. That pain that you were mm-hmm. feeling was not indicative of what happens before a rupture. So it was, so I said, so if I would have just visited a medical tent, you know, us ultra runners, we avoid those like the plague. The oh, yeah, we do. Yeah. Because we're scared to death, they're going to pull us out of a race. Yeah. They talk us into, you know, DNFing. And so you better I'll, to go, but, though. But if I would You're have yourself into it, yeah. And heard that, then I probably would have finished about two hours sooner. <laughs> right. It easy, you know. Yeah, for, there was a guy behind me. I'm not going to give any details about him, but he, um, he, uh, which it was after Devil's Thumb. So the next hill. Um, and he was talking behind me and he kept stopping and throwing out and saying he was trying to quit. Um, at devil's thumb and they, they told him well you have to wait here till 10 o'clock tonight um <laughs> yeah and he was like oh i'm gonna make it to the next one so like he kept going or whatever but he kept saying that he had like a hernia issue and he kept complaining about it he's like yeah, i shouldn't have even been here i shouldn't even ran da, 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 da. i'm gonna quit at the next aid station i mean this went on for like an hour like and so he comes up but he would every time he would stop and throw up he would catch right back up to me <laughs> <laughs> and i never stopped running and going you know what i mean so like i'm like that guy's got lots left in him i don't know what he's talking about like so he actually what's funny about that is he beat me (laughs) (laughs) i saw him about an hour later blazing by him he's like yeah i went to the med tent everything's good i'm gonna finish he picked up a pacer and like his complete mindset had changed yeah so like it that's one thing the more you do these the more you i'm not saying you mistrust your body but yeah it's like you learn that your body is trying to trick you. You got to just keep going. Like I almost quit at Lean Horse when I ultimately became the winner of that race, <laughs> or at yeah. least the first female, anyway. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, which like, is winning. what's that? I said, which is winning? First female is yeah, winning. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I came in like fourth, fourth person overall. Regardless, like I did great. Like there was nothing wrong with me. Right. It was all temporary stuff. Yeah. And that's why we always, you know, you have people say that mantra, like, go to the next aid station, go to the next aid station. Yeah. So just keep moving forward. Okay. Right. So, so you're, you just finished in Texas with your slowest rate. Was that your slowest? My slowest race? Yeah. It's my slowest race ever. And I try not to take it to heart um, because I knew like I, I'd had the wheezing thing happen to me like at tunnel before, but there was no climbs. Um, it gets really cold at tunnel as well. Like it's, it was 17 degrees there one year when I was, so like, yeah, there's, it's warm during the day. It could be pretty cold at night. And I, I feel like it's this, um, I haven't gone to the doctor about it probably should, but it doesn't really affect me except for during long races and it's, um, in the cold and what, whatever crap is in the air. Um, there's stuff in the air that, you know, I'm apparently, I must be allergic to, or it's affecting my lungs. And I don't, I don't know if it's anything I really need to worry about too, too much or anything, but like that, it it did on that day, it took me down. Um, but I finished. (laughs) Oh, I wasn't feeling very good at the finish. Let me tell you, I got, I think I had a slight case of hypothermia. Um, cause even though I ended up walking all day, it felt like, um, that night, like during the day, it only got to like maybe 40 degrees. Um, and I never got really warmed up. And when I finished like, yeah, I was, I was exhausted from trembling. 
because I was just shaking. I couldn't hardly get my hotel key in the door. And my plan was to like start driving that night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I (laughs) made it to the next town. I took it. And the and the guy when I checked in the hotel, he took one look at me. He's like, "What were you doing?" <laughs> he gave me like he gave me like a free whirlpool room. He's like, "You need to, <laughs> you need to get in that tub." I'm like, "You're right." <laughs> and I sl- I knocked out for like a good twelve hours. I didn't wake up. <laughs> no. Yeah, I was exhausted. I was exhausted after that race. <laughs> yeah, it was wow. But so yeah, and then yeah, I put in for Western, and I finally got in. <laughs> So how many, uh, so Western was your next race after the one in Texas? Yeah. So the Dino so Valley. How many, how many tickets does that add up to? So I had a buy year. I, I, somebody asked me this the other day and I can't remember if I had, I thought I had 32 tickets, but I could be wrong. So I don't want to be quoted on that. <laughs> Maybe it was 16. I can't okay. remember, but I had nine hundreds. Um, but that's, I, that doesn't matter because like I did two a, a year. Yeah. Um, only one of them would qualify me each year. And then we had a buy year in between. So from 2017 to now with a buy year. Yeah. You know what? You know what I thought? I talked to, I did a, a an episode with AJW, you know, he is yep. and, uh, Craig Thornley, the race director back about two or three weeks before the race. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to Craig and uh, I was under the impression that like, for instance, if I did four qualifying races in a year that mm-hmm. I had four tickets in the drawing. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it's not like that. He said, it don't matter if you do 12, you're only going to have one ticket. <laughs> and then you have to do another one qualifying race the next year, I guess, unless you have it in a, that time period. And I didn't know that until. Yeah. You- so that's why Tunnel Hill is really good, you know, um, because you can always qualify year out. And then that leaves you open to doing other things because it's November too. So it's kind of later in the year. So then you can do other races, the rest of your, things that are like not necessarily Western States qualifiers, yeah. you know, there might be might, some other bucket list races you want to do that are for the scenery or whatever it is. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's why I, I kind of did it that way. So as far as the drawing goes, were you watching that live when it happened by chance? No, um, I actually wasn't. It's so ridiculous. So every year I've watched it. And then this year, I really didn't take think I was going to get picked. You know, I thought it was going to be like any other year. Um, and I was working. <laughs> I was at work. So I'm a rec- military recruiter. I work for uh, the Minnesota Army National Guard. Okay. And I was I work a lot of weekends interviewing. That's when you can meet with people, you know. Right. And I had a kid who was interested and I put him on uh, a pretest is what we call it. It's so the, they have like an interest exam to join the military and we have a shortened version of that test that they take. And he was in a computer room and my phone started blowing up. Um, I'm like, what is going on? I don't look at my phone when I'm, you know, talking to someone at all. So um, I, I looked, I picked up my phone and I remember that morning, actually, I had remembered that it was that day. And I'm like, oh, when this kid goes to take his test, I'll, I'll start monitoring the results. Well, it had, it happened before I got a chance to, and people were like, congratulating me. I'm like, and I was like, what, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh my God, I was freaking out, but I didn't have anyone to share with because I was by myself in this armory. <laughs> so Except for with a kid who probably has no idea what that is all about. So, <laughs> did you tell the kid? I think I did. 
<laughs> I think I, I mean, you got to, right? Right. But I was texting with my friends. Yeah. And, and that, um, sometimes when you do that, like it just happened to me at work the other day, I was all excited when Harvey Lewis agreed to come on my podcast because I'd been trying to get him for a couple of weeks. And, yeah. uh, and I said, I interviewed Harvey Lewis last night. You know, and my coworkers looked at me like, <laughs> well, so they know though. <laughs> but that's cool Just because the they understand. Yeah. So like my my uh my coworkers don't really they don't know any of those any of the people that we we uh kind of geek out on, you know? Right. So they make fun of me. <laughs> yeah. They're like, why do you want to run hundred miles? That's crazy. And they, they yeah. compare me to Forrest Gump or something. I don't even like to drive that far, right? Exactly. <laughs> they don't they don't have a frame of reference. You know, until we do a physical fitness test and most of my peers are about 20 years younger than I am. And I usually kick their butt (laughs) on the run to be specific, (laughs) not necessarily the other events, but on the run. (laughs) But other than that, like, yeah, they don't, they could care less really. Yeah. Yeah. Even this, they they had no idea that, you know, the significance of Western states or I tried to explain it to them, but really it's like, it's like anybody who's not into running. It's like, wah, 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 wah. They don't want to hear anything. Right. It doesn't matter to them. So it's good. Right. <laughs> but so you, so you find out the first, what, first weekend in December that you're running Western states. Yes. So you've got what, six and a half months. Yes. And it's in the middle of winter already. <laughs> and so. Do you start training the next day? Yeah, I mean, I wait. I was like appropriate. Like I was like, I start. You know, I didn't immediately start running, but or training. I mean, I, I never stopped running. But like, um, I gave myself a couple of weeks to just sort of celebrate that, and then I did actually make. Um, after J- January second, I started. My focus was on Western states until I ran Western states. Now, do you have a coach, or do you just make? A I do. <laughs> So I got one in, I think it was 2019. I never had one before that. I always did my own thing. But um, once I actually came back into the military again, which I didn't really talk about that too much. I had that big break. I was a social worker for many years. Um, and um, I, I got into some pretty heavy stuff in social work. My job took me some places. Um, and I ended up leaving, not, not like a bad way or anything. I just wanted something different because it was, it was pretty heavy stuff and, um, came back in and started recruiting, tried recruiting out, loved it, fell in love with it, got to train with my recruits all the time. You know, it's, uh, just, I love the military. So it's just easy for me to talk about it. Um, and during that time period, but I found myself so busy, like with the day-to-day stuff that, um, I got interested in a coach so that way he could organize that. And it's like one less thing I have to worry about. Like, so I don't have to like structure. I mean, I'll be honest, my training plan was just high volume. And then, um, you know, I would just do back to back super long runs for hundreds, but he's, he tailors it to my fitness level and, um, I do speed work, <laughs> which, um, uh, which is good because like, if it wasn't on my training plan, I probably would not think to do it. Um, I would just run easy most of the time and then run hard on the weekends doing, you know, my train like long runs and stuff. So I don't have to think about my training, which is really nice. Um, I also skipped over one little thing. I also, during that time frame when I came back in the military, I trained and competed, um, for the state of Minnesota in the Minnesota national guard, um, on their endurance team. So their marathon team, mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah. And I've been on that team now every year we have a qualifier. Well, it's, they skipped it to every other year now, but it's in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I represent the state of Minnesota. And now I represent the, all of the national guard. So I make it to the team. They take the top 15 females to have 25 men from all the states. And this last year um, we competed. It was like, not all the states can afford to send people sometimes this year, every single state and U.S. territory sent at least a, a, a team of three people. Um, so in competing against all of them, our time, we, we brought four people from Minnesota and we came in number three with our combined times. That's how fast we were. And so where, we did y'all, where did y'all race at? Uh, Lincoln, the Lincoln oh. Marathon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was the marathon with others, like civilians were in it too, or was it just? Yeah, the... civilians are running it. As a matter of fact, um, uh, the girl from Nebraska, Katie. Camille? Huh? She's from Oklahoma, right? Camille. Lichtig. 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 Casey Lichtig. Yeah, she, Casey, sorry. She was there, pretty sure. Because okay. I think that's where she's from. Yeah, I think um, yeah. Yeah, and so she's usually there at that race as well. Every year that I run it, I didn't run the, my fastest marathon time this year. Actually, I was like, "Wow!" I was pretty happy that I did as well as I did, but um, wasn't marathon ready. I didn't feel like. But every year I've been, I've made the team. Um, so, and that means that I get paid to go and run different marathons. Um, and when I say get paid, like my, you know, my my hotel is paid for, my transportation is paid for, my food's paid for, all that. So there's different races that I could do throughout the year that I can just I could use them for training runs, you know, for the ultra yeah. stuff. So use them for speed work, like you used to use. Yeah, use <laughs> some marathons for speed work. Marathons for speed work. <laughs> and really, that's I went into Lincoln this year with that mindset. I was like, I'm just going to use this. I don't know what I'm capable of. I really didn't. And uh, I'm just going to go in and see how this goes. And it actually boosted because I came in sub 330, which isn't like blazing fast or anything for me, but it was more, it was faster than what I, I ran most of the race at a sub like 730 pace. And like, I was pretty happy about that. I'm like, Oh, I still got that. I could still do that sometimes if I really want to. Um, so it kind of renewed my confidence in myself a little bit. Um, and then I did run another race. I ran a 50K. I didn't race it. It was just for training here local that I go do the Chester Woods 50K um, just to run with friends. Um, so that's kind of, you know, the big training uh, elements of my. Now, other than that, I was out at uh, Whitewater, which is that state park I was telling you about, just getting as much elevation and down as, as I could fit in. But um, like I said, my life is like super... <laughs> kind of busy because I work full time. Um, It's pretty demanding job, which I love. Um, I have four kids and um, I have a hobby farm. And (laughs) so, and with, uh, with the troops, you know, and I'm, I'm, we're training with them. um, It it requires a lot of my time on weekends and stuff. So sometimes I'm having to run, like having to tell my coach, Hey, I can't run this weekend at all. I'm going to have to do ruck marching with the troops. So I need to get my big block of training on one time. I had a big block of training Thursday and Friday, and then I had to go do a physical fitness test on Saturday morning <laughs> after running like 50 miles. <laughs> Which I'm sure was no problem though. What's that? Which I'm sure was no problem though, right? No, it was fine. <laughs> it was fine, but it, I was tired. <laughs> Monday, I was pretty tired because we, yeah, we just had a lot that weekend. And it was a lot of fun. We had helicopters and all kinds of stuff going on with these kids. But there was a lot of running around, and um, the the kids had a or the soldiers, I should say, had a blast. Yeah, for me, like it was exhausting. <laughs> but I had to, yeah, like in the past, where I've been able, I've had like um, probably better stretches of time to this Western training up for it. 
I would say that there was a lot of moving things around here and there just to fit things in for yeah. this phrase as much as I could. Yeah. Especially June is early for us here in Minnesota. We do have a race in April that I, I have run the 50 mile. I will never, I don't think I'll ever, I won't say never just cause I don't want to say never to anything, but I don't think I'd ever run that hundred. It's the Zumbro. <laughs> and everybody who's ever run it knows what I'm talking about. You can get 90 degree weather. You can get hail. You can get rain. You can get a blizzard. I've been there when there was a blizzard in the middle of the race that shut the race down. <laughs> so yeah, where we had to have, they had to have the um, county come in and dig us out. There's people there. because There was no, it's like a minimum maintenance, you know, road. So there's nobody out there like plowing and like nobody would have been able to leave. They had wow. to have special people come out and plow us out. It was just, yeah, that was an insane year. But yeah, that. I will never do that. But yeah, so that's early for us. June is, um, or for me anyway, uh, and still still made it happen. So now I feel like it's time for me to talk about what happened at, at Western. <laughs> well, in the did you have to spend a lot of time on a treadmill repairing? No, I don't ride treadmill at all. In wow. the winter, I just can't. Like it literally gives me motion sickness. Like I'll I'll try. I, I still try every year. I'll get on it for like five or 10 minutes. And like, I just, I don't know if I just don't have good rhythm or what it is, but like, I'll get off it. And I feel like the world's still spinning almost like it just, I can't get used to that. Yeah. Um, so Did there is, I, I actually, run in the snow? I do run in the snow, but I also run in this, um, there's a place not far from here. It's like a dome and it's a fifth of a mile track. Um, there's walkers runners and there's two like soccer fields in the middle of it that is kind of, you know, sectioned off and, um, there's baseball players in there during winter. So, I'm really lucky because it's above zero. I can go run there in shorts in the wintertime and it's out of the wind. Um, but in some ways, like there, I question that a little bit. It's like, okay, I make it too easy for myself because like I need to get ready to do hard things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I got so, a little story. I got a little story about that too, because oh. back, I guess I was training for, I can't remember what race it was. A, oh, it was a Disney marathon. Uh-huh. So that's in January. So I didn't want to get up and run before working the freezing cold for us, which is like 40s. <laughs> right, right. So I joined this gym that had an indoor track so I could run in the uh, heat and air. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere around that time, I get uh, downloaded the Goggins audio book, you know, talks about <laughs> staying hard and carrying oh, yeah. and all this stuff. And and so I decided that I needed to get out and run in the cold if I wanted to be tough, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had to cancel my membership for the indoor track. <laughs> ah, there you go. But I think there is something to that. Like when I do hard things, it's a mental thing now. You know, like if I do the hard things and it's like I have I go into a race knowing, oh well, I've already done this hard training, right? So yeah. like I can take whatever this this race throws at me. And I, I used to like never I used to never run when it rained. Uh, I would oh. wait it after rain or whatever, but now I don't care if it's time to run and it's raining, then I'm running in the rain. Oh yeah. I love running in the rain actually. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite times, but uh, yeah, I love the heat. It, my friends, they all hate the heat. They like to run in the winter, but I love the heat. I love getting out there and just sweating it out. And yeah, I don't even care if I'm going very fast as long as I'm moving and yeah, I, like I love that. And I don't mind the humidity. Yeah. Um, so at all you need to come do a south race then i do well i didn't have very good luck in um in texas (laughs) (laughs) but i think that was a unique situation being november and i know what texas weather's like in november i should have known better 
<laughs> it can get down that cold for sure. Um, I'll send you some good choices for. Uh, yeah. No, I would love to. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So now, so you're trained up. Now going into what day did you arrive into uh, Olympic Valley? Yeah. Um, so we, I left, so I had a plan. I had three crew members coming um, and one did was coming over there. Did you go to the training camp? No, nope. you, you didn't. Okay. Nope. I didn't have t- the time to do that kind of stuff. Like for me, like it didn't, it didn't make, it just didn't, I didn't, I wasn't like wanting to do that, I guess. I just didn't want to take the time to do it. <laughs> I'm like, well, I never do that with other races. Like, but I, I can see why people would see previewing the course is like, it can be super like great, like for the mindset going into the race. So I understand why people do it. I just, I just didn't feel like it was something I needed. Sometimes going into a race, not knowing what to expect is actually kind of its own little superpower because you don't know when when to expect something hard. (laughs) You just got to keep going. You just take it minute by minute by minute, right? Like you just take it as it comes. So that's kind of what I focused on doing. I'm like, there's so many variables to this race that I cannot even train for really. And I can't replicate here in my lifestyle and also here in Minnesota. So the, my best strategy I felt was just to just roll with it. And everybody kept telling me, just go enjoy the experience. Don't try to race it. Go have a good time. So I really embraced that mindset. And that's what I did. As a matter of fact, that actually influenced my decision to not fly there and to drive out there and really get, I had never um, driven as further than um, South Dakota. So my friend, Sarah Chapman and I, we decided to, she's a, she's a teacher. So she's off in the summer. So we both like went together um, a little Bonnie and Clyde, Thelma <laughs> and Louise, whatever. And we just drove and it was amazing, amazingly beautiful. We started on Monday before the race and we got there. We actually, we were planning on being there, I think Thursday, but then found out that one of our friends was actually coming in a little earlier. So we had to be in Reno by Wednesday. Um, so we, we made it in time. We picked him up in Reno and then we had to drive immediately to Sacramento to pick up our other friend. So that's um, my first friend, Alex Bartley, and then Brian Mansky over in Sacramento. Oh, and also I just realized I never forgot to say, who, I forgot to say who my coach was. Um, his name is Mike Borst and he's with Trail Transformation out of La Crosse, Wisconsin. So just wanted to make sure I said that. I just thought of it right now. Hey, I'm not for saying people's names. Um, so, so we went, um, and picked those guys up and I got a place in Citrus Heights, which is like an hour and a half. (laughs) It's like nowhere at elevation or anything. And I had done this, like, I don't know. I did this like when I, when I was like in probably January, February, and (laughs) I knew it was far away from the start, but whenever I go to like a point to point race, I'm like thinking, I just want to be near the finish. So it's 30 minutes from the finish. That, that was good enough for me. (laughs) But one of my pacers was like, why didn't we stay near Olympic Valley so you get used to the elevation? And I'm like, because I don't want to get used to it. <laughs> it's either you get used to it a w- for a whole week before or don't get used to it all and then just go do it. Because <laughs> it's going to, the whole race is supposed to be a net down. So like you're coming down to elevation uh, below 5,000 feet at some point. Anyway, so I didn't want to get used to it. I just wanted <laughs> to live my life and then go run the race. <laughs> so basically that's what we did. You know, we got there, like I said, on Wednesday, we didn't go to the race start. Like there's activities and stuff on Thursday. We didn't really do any of that. I just wanted to chill. Cause I really was starting to get kind of nervous at this point. Um, it was starting to build. And normally like with my other races, I 
I've done them enough where I don't get too nervous anymore. Like, like I know that I'm just going to have to deal with whatever I got to deal with during the moment. And I know that, but this was a little different, (laughs) especially once we finally got over to Olympic Valley and I looked up the escarpment and I'm like, holy crap, what did I sign up for? (laughs) Why do I want to do this? Like driving there, I'm like, oh, from Auburn, because we went to Auburn, we went to the aid station. (laughs) Like, like, we drove up there and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is insane. Like, this is a lot. I probably shouldn't have done that. I should have closed my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) That just made it worse. Yeah, I wasn't feeling too good on Friday. (laughs) And then, and then, you know, you do all the activities on Friday, like I said, now just like that out of world experience of going through and then you're seeing like all these great people that have run this race so many times that you know you know, from, you know, reading about or hearing a podcast or whatever. And there's just so many people there and um, you can't get food in a timely manner because there's so many people. <laughs> <laughs> I like wanted to leave. Like, it, like as soon as like the race talk was done, I was like, I want, let's just go. I need to like get in my bubble because we were going to have to be up at the start at basically I had to get up at like one in the morning so we could get there before four because it's a couple hour drive and, you know, get ready and do all, do everything you need to do. Um, so I try to go to sleep, which you know how that goes the night before race doesn't go very well. Anyway, um, I slept as well as I could and we get up and got going and got there and it was in the dark and you just got let go then. (laughs) There's nothing else you can do. (laughs) So let's go see how this, this goes. Um, but I definitely went into that race just feeling like, like, I just got to take aid station, aid station. I'm not, you know, this is not a race race for me. This is going to be um, a race that I want to take advantage of, of everything that I can see. And so that way, like, it's like probably the one time I get to go, you know, not, not it, it's so hard to get in, you know, you never know if you'll ever get in again. Um, and you never know what's going to happen in life either. So I just wanted to fully enjoy Western for everything that I had to offer. Um but anyway, so then the, the, you know, then it starts and, and then everything that you plan to do goes out the window for, for at least a little while, because <laughs> you're dealing with snow for, for like 20 miles. I mean, everybody says it was only what, like 16. Is that what they said it was? Yeah. Well, I've, some said uh, 16. I think somebody told me 30 miles. I say 30. <laughs> no, it was 30 because even though, um, like maybe the snow wasn't like there was there was 30 miles of snow where you couldn't just run you know what i mean there was 30 miles the first 30 miles you couldn't just run like for me because it was so slippery like by the time you know we went up the escarpment and you turn around and you look you take in the scenery um like i knew like i was i knew not to push then i'm like this is too early um it doesn't really matter where i'm at in the pack you know so I just need to take it easy and was talking to people and stuff. And, and I was being told to slow down by a couple of people. They're like, Oh, you need to slow down. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not even <laughs> going fast, but there was, it was a bloodbath. <laughs> the first 10 miles was, in, it was a bloodbath. People don't realize because you cannot see that. Um, it was rolling. Once you get up over the top, you know, there's that back, that wilderness area, it was rolling snow. And there's no really running it. It was like sliding. People were taking each other out like bowling pins. <laughs> <laughs> sliding down the hill. <laughs> yeah. They were just hitting each other. Um, there was blood in the snow. Like, from, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so 
So how many times did you go down? Oh, I couldn't. I lost count. Like, I didn't even try to count. Like, in the snowy part, don't count that part. <laughs> More than 10, would you say? Oh, I mean, you couldn't. Yeah, there's like a hard. There's a lot of hearts that you just couldn't stand upright. Just you would try. Like, anytime you'd have to go down. And I was wearing these damn split <laughs> split shorts, too. I regret that a little. Because when you'd have to. A lot of people just took the strategy of sliding down on their butt or these hills. Um which was fine. But when you have split shorts on, they just, they just go up <laughs> <laughs> and my butt hurt. <laughs> it's getting scratched up. Like, so, <laughs> um, yeah, there was, it was, and there's, there's a lot of times where we got lost. Um, they not like, I know that they did a, a good job of marking. I'm not trying to say they didn't have a good job at uh, marking the trail, but some of the, the paint, cause they had a paint on the snow cause you couldn't see the actual trail cause it was covered in snow. Um, and a lot of that was starting to disappear. It was hard to see because there was mounds of snow in trees. There was like no sense of direction because you can't see the actual trail. And so you tried to look for um, foot packed snow, but people had gone the wrong direction. And like <laughs> it, it was insane. <laughs> the first 30 miles, I was so happy to be out of the snow, honestly, once I got past it. But after the first 50K, um, I met up with my crew. And I was like, you, you know, you, you, you can't wait to see them. Cause you can't wait to vent a little. You're like, you guys don't understand. This is like, this was all snow. They lied. <laughs> 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 but it's just because you, you have time to like, sort of like decompress. I changed my shoes out. For, that was probably a good thing to do. Change my socks out and stuff. Cause they were starting to get a little um, spongy, my feet and stuff. Um, but I mean, there's like so many water crossings. That's another thing that's not really like. I guess you can't know. It probably depends on the year. Of, like, is there a lot of water runoff from the the snow and everything too? Um, but there's a lot of water crossing. Um, they're not like super like technical or anything like that. But except for the one, which when you're five foot one, like they, I think in the they say, oh, it'll come up to your your hips. Yeah, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like uh, hanging on that thing for dear life. It was like up to my rib cage. <laughs> so. Uh, but I felt pretty good actually after like the first 30 K I didn't feel very good. Then I was like, not feeling bad per se. Just like, I was like, Oh, like I want to start feeling good. You know, you get into that flow state that runners get into. I started to get into that right after that 30, after that point though, I started feeling really good, um, for a little while until, until, until that first devil's thumb until devil's thumb, devil's thumb kicked my butt. And I went up the top of that. I felt like I was taking baby steps going up it. like. Cause it was so steep and there's, there's some switchbacks, but there's some straight up stuff too. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, the, the kind of trail it was like, it was just, yeah, you're just trying to go up. I think it, I was, I did 30 minute miles up that. And wow. that was very disheartening to me. I got to the top of it and I was, I talked to the people there. I saw uh, one of my, uh, uh, people from Minnesota, Mark Smith. And he was sitting down at the aid station. like, oh, you got this. You know, even like after Forest Hill, if you just take it easy, you do eight, 18 minute miles. We, we got plenty of time. And I still had like about an hour, at least an hour buffer. But I was that's like the closest. Like, I don't like I told you about my whole race history. That hasn't happened to me before. Where, well, these last couple of races weren't the greatest. But you know what I mean? Where I was like chasing cutoffs. Like, that's not something I'm like experienced with. But like I so that became sort of my focus at the rest of the race, it's like, I just need to build a bit bigger buffer. Um, so I kept trying to go a little faster, but it was difficult because after devil's thumb, then you go up. I don't know what the next name of the next hill is. 
but that one's three miles long, (laughs) but not as steep, not as steep, more switchbacks, a little more runnable. Um, I enjoyed that one a lot more. Um, And then it was almost nightfall. And I was also disheartened by the fact that it was like, um, was it Michigan Bluff, right? The halfway point. And I was planning to get there way early. So that way I I wouldn't get my paces to the next one. No, I picked up my pacer at Michigan Bluff because it was that late. It was like 830. I'm like, what is going on? Well, I should probably try and speed up a little, I think. And um, now that I got my pacers and I've got support, it should be easier. Um, But then I had a couple of mishaps with my uh, headlamp. Wasn't working appropriately. It was a brand new headlamp to know better. Um, But it kept dimming and dimming and I couldn't see for my footing. So I spent the majority of the evening like that. So where I had to slow way down. And so I started to lose some of my cushion. And that's why in the morning, I was in the place where I was. Um, Also, I I started having some uh, stomach issues as well. I mean, I wasn't like throwing up or anything. But I just I got to a point where I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but like, I would even drink water that happened even during the day, I would get to the point where drinking water became a chore. Like, like I had to have ice in it or something. It just didn't taste good. And I would constantly be thirsty. I was taking in plenty of electrolyte. I was not probably eating enough. I I kept trying to, but it just, there was nothing appealing and I would manage a bite and I would just get sick of it right away. And yeah, so I kind of got to that place later on in this race where it, um, that took, started to, to all that, all those things started to creep in on me. And, um, I want to say it was like after the raft, um, I got better light and I started to run. Um, and I wound up, I took, um, a gel with caffeine and it was a Morton gel. I don't know if you've ever heard of those. Yeah. Yeah. So the consistency, consistency is horrible. (laughs) Um, I, and I didn't feel like eating anything. So I literally had to stop and choke it down. And my body immediately was trying to reject it. It was, I probably gagged for, I don't know, probably three or four minutes. And I made it, (laughs) I made it stay down. I'm like, no way body obey. You will do what I say. I'm keeping this in my stomach. And I did, I was successful. And like within a couple of minutes, I felt great. I was like, oh, thank God. I needed caffeine. I needed, um, I needed calories. And I choked out some more water, kept going. And from then on out, I was able to take in calories every hour again. Um, yeah, I kind of worked myself into a bad spot there for a minute and then was able to pull myself back out. And I was running like 14 minute miles <laughs> and I thought I was doing great. I was like, yeah, I'm running 14 minute miles. Um, I mean, that wasn't forever, but like anytime you go up, I'd slow way down again to like, but I try to stay below 18. You know, I actually, that became my goal. Mark actually stuck that in my, got that in my head and it it became my goal. I'm like, if I can go up at 18 minute pace, I can, I can finish this. I like, I just started to feel like that's that, that made sense to me. And then, um, I'm trying to think, then I got to where, um, uh, Zurich was at. I didn't, it's so funny. So I don't remember the name of that aid station. Um, I feel like I should have had this stuff written down. Um, it becomes a blur, <laughs> but the A station where jerk is at, he, um, I come down that hill and I just, I had to go to the bathroom. That's all I cared about. I wanted to get in and out of the aid station as fast as possible. Um, and I, I, he's talking to my, my, uh, pacer, Alex Bartley, and, and I could hear them out there. And I was just like, I get out of there. And he goes, you're going to be fine. You just got to maintain 18 minute pace the rest of this, uh, time. And I was like, 18 minutes. The, when he said 18 minutes, I'm like, 
oh, that's not bad. That's what I was trying to do anyway. I'm like, how many hills do I have left? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you've got a few, two miles up this way. And then done it. I, I didn't hear the rest because it was like two miles up again. Like, I don't know if I can maintain 18 minutes. You know, I just like, I, I'm like, I'm thinking too far ahead. I just need to go. So I just left. And then I, I turned to my face and I'm like, was that a jerk? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> like, I was like, wow, okay, well, he's giving me the same advice as Smith did. So hey. <laughs> so we started going up. Um, yeah, that was tough. <laughs> and then, um, we get to the top and then we come down and we get to the last aid station where I could pick up a different pacer, the five miles, um, five miles to the finish. And whew, I started freaking out a little bit. I looked at my watch. I tried not to look at my watch too much. My pacers kept yelling at me. Stop looking at your watch. Just run. <laughs> and I looked at my watch and I'm like, I, in my brain, I was like 50 minute miles is like the minimum I really got to do so I can keep a little bit. I think I had less than a 30 minute buffer at this point. Um, no, it wasn't even that. It couldn't have been. I don't, whatever. I don't remember what it was, but I just remember thinking when I started running with Sarah Chapman, I was like, I have to run. And she kept like, we were going down and I ended up falling because I was running. I was trying to run so fast <laughs> on the down and uh, to, to, you know, to uh, make up some time. Where it was a little bit easier because I knew we we're going to have another up because every time you go down, you're going to have to go up in this race. <laughs> it's like we talked about earlier because um, they went up. My pacers kept telling me, oh, isn't this so nice? We're going down. Isn't that so good, Jen? I'm like, yeah, no, because you know we're going to go up, right? <laughs> if we're going down, we're going to have to go up. So, um, And if we're going up, we're going to have to come back down. And that hurts right now, too. So um, we finally uh, get to, <clears throat> I know it got to a point when um every one of these ups were really taking their toll and it started to get hot when we crossed no hands bridge you could just feel the heat like for me anyway my perspective my perspective it just got wicked hot then um but i'm sure it's because i had run like 90 something miles you know like my temperature was just like all over the place um and i remember i had to take a little bit of a no i wouldn't say a break but like i had to like take a breather right after i was i get to the point where like when i'd go up a hill i almost like I would have to lean over and take catch my breath, which I know I'm not out of breath because, you know, anybody who runs hundreds, you know, like you don't really get out of breath because you're not running fast enough. It was like, I just had to gather myself. I saw the people doing it too. So no, it wasn't just me. Um, later after I was looking at footage, I'm like, Hey, they're doing the same thing I was doing. <laughs> We're all doing this thing where you lean over and you sort of take your breath because you're just exhausted. So after you go no, no hands and you have this big ascent, whiny, a little bit ascent, technical, very technical, by the way, very mad about that at that point. Of the race. Like, why is it so technical right now? <laughs> like, like they planned it that way or something. So then you get to the top and I was exhausted. Um, and I didn't, it was like, I was out of my mind a little. I didn't realize I was so close. I knew I was close, but it was like, I did, I lost perception of time and distance at this point. Um, people come running at me down that, like, as I was coming up, asking me, you know, what do you need? What do you need? They had buckets of water, sponges. They were just dumping water over me. Um, I'm like, I'm just hot. I need to cool down. And they they just kept doing that all the way up the rest of that hill. I didn't stop. I just kept going. Um, somebody started running with me there, and I'd really like to know who it was. But it was somebody from yeah. that age. Was it a man? Yes. Do you have a pack on, black pack? It was probably no. Tim. Was it Tim Tweetmeyer? 
It might have been. It was an older gentleman, and he was amazing, and he ran with me all he the way. He does that. That's what he does. He hangs out at that A station and runs people that in. That is so great. I There was people that- He's a 25-time finisher. Yes. I thought it was him. Honestly, I didn't want to like guess and be wrong, uh, but I thought it was him, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And he was so encouraging, and he was just like gunning for me, and he was just like, follow your pacer. And so Sarah, <laughs> Sarah does- she felt like it was so much pressure on her. <laughs> she doesn't feel like she's a fast runner. And so she had to run ahead of me. She was like, I'm never going to be able to do this because it's Jen. I can't, I can't run. You can run faster than me right now. Like I am not, I'm, I'm hardly running. So he kept telling me, just stare at her feet, just stare at her feet. <laughs> and so I was going as fast as I could go, which wasn't very fast. Down the hill, all the way into Auburn. We hit Auburn. And once we hit Auburn, like... I don't even know where I was, but like I said, I was sort of out of my mind and we get to this corner and like, we picked up like 30 people, I think right at the corner and we're running towards the hill, the last hill that you, you climb a little bit before you take a left and go down that road and head into the track. Um, and there was a runner there that fell down. And like, they, I think like, as we were, as I went up the hill, which I didn't think I could do anymore, um, the, um, the fire truck came and we had to clear out of the way for that because they were going to pick that runner up. I'm at, can you imagine being that close, wow. you know, and falling? Yeah. Like, I don't think he finished. I don't know who it was also something I'd like to know if that guy's okay. But, um, then we take the left, we go down the hill. Um, and like I said, at this point, people are screaming. Now I had all my pacers, everybody's screaming at me and I'm like, I'm going as fast as I can. <laughs> 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 but I literally didn't think I was going to make it. And I didn't check my watch. So I had no idea how close I was. I had no idea. Um, I entered the track and I heard somebody, I think it was Tim Tweetwire, <laughs> <laughs> say that I had to go around it four times. And I was like, <laughs> four times? <laughs> so I can do that. <laughs> so I go around, I come around the track. And like I said, there, it felt like everybody just kind of, it was like, I don't know if they were on the track with me. But like, I feel like everybody was running with me and they were, the whole place was screaming and I come around the bend and I saw the clock and I saw that it was over uh, 29, um, 59. Um, I don't remember the exact, if it was six seconds or whatever it was, but I remember thinking, oh, I, I can make this. And they were lying to me. It's not four times. I can, cause they wouldn't make you do that and then go through the clock four times. So like immediately my brain must've... <laughs> perked up there for a second. Um, and I started sprinting as fast as I could down that track. Um, and well, you know, the rest I crossed, <laughs> um, with 21 seconds to spare. And it was like the most amazing race finish, even better than winning. It was, there was so, <laughs> I can't even put into words, um, that feeling of getting so close and, and still making it. That is just overwhelming to me. Like, um, I, I mean, I have to say like, I was committed, like even at the two mile to, I kept telling myself, like, it doesn't matter what the time is anymore. Um, I'm finishing. I don't care if I don't finish in time. I'm finishing. I didn't come all the way here to not finish. So I'm finishing. Um, I was determined to do that, but to, I wasn't <laughs> expecting to get that close. Um, yeah. and I don't know how I did that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how like it's it, like the the pace I was going in the last you know few hours or you know I had slowed down quite a bit and to be able to get that wow that was that was pretty darn close 
<laughs> to not get hit on time. Yeah. But I have to say that race is really technical um, for a 30 hour cutoff. That is a challenging race to do in 30 hours. Like yeah. if I had to do that, it, well, obviously it's easy to say anything now. Right. But I think it, you would have, well, they had a lot of finishers this year though. Um, but if they had that a higher cutoff, which, which I'm not suggesting they should change it, but they would definitely have a lot more people. Cause like at superior, um, you know, it's extremely technical as well, but they have a 37 hour cutoff. So there's a reason for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, we talked about this all week, my friends and I, um, and even my crew, like there were parts of this race where I was like, oh my gosh, like I, I really felt the pressure to finish a lot. So that way my crew could run their sections of the race that they wanted to pace. That was so important to me. Like I wanted them all to have that experience along with me. I brought them all that way, you know, like they need to, no matter what, like that, you know, I'm finishing cause they got to do this. And, um, but wow, I feel like I was able to give them so much more somehow by me finishing last because <laughs> it was like, yeah, they, they, the whole atmosphere there in that I didn't even know anything about you guys. I didn't know anything about the golden hour. I didn't know oh, about didn't? that. Oh, I had no idea. Wow. And it made it kind of probably just that much more amazing because I didn't know. Um, I had no expectations. Um, I wasn't trying, you know, to get in that time frame at all. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. But yeah, I can see why. Be, it would be way under it. <laughs> I yeah. wouldn't be that close, but, you know, when watching it just from a few feet away, you know, and I was not there when Courtney crossed. But like I said in the beginning, you know, the thing that the, the winners have, you know, is when they come, it's late in the evening so there's nowhere near as many people in the stands i don't that's imagine. true uh, but also they hold such a reverence to the golden hour all the winners uh plus the fact that the the award ceremony is is close to that they're all there all the vendors are there and all the spectators and so everybody in that last hour and then in the last five minutes i mean the energy in there is just palpable and i mean it I'm emotional just talking about it but it was yeah. it was so powerful the people pulling you around that track you can oh my gosh i've never had <laughs> that many people like like that's what i keep joking around about like even when i one lean horse i've never like you know like who cares <laughs> you know who cared <laughs> which everybody so cares but, I mean, it, but it was yeah. it was so incredible and um those it was you were treated as much like royalty as the first place you know the, sure. the course record holder and and that's pretty awesome i know i, I we were joking around i'm like I should do this all the time. <laughs> it's so much fun. No, I did. I have to say, I just want to say that. Yeah. Like I do feel like I went into this pretty much on this entire race with no expectations other than to just enjoy myself. Like, and I also did not um, educate myself on the golden hour. I didn't know anything about those things. Um, and yeah, like it was amazing. And to have somebody like Tim Tweetmar running in with me, um wow i mean i know a lot about him now. they gave me this book <laughs> and i know everything like i've been reading it like from you know yeah it's an amazing i i, I knew a little bit i just didn't know like i didn't know enough <laughs> but i wow i am so um if i showed you a picture of him would you recognize him 
from yeah. Quebec? Is that him? Oh, gosh. No, maybe. I don't know, because I know he had white hair, but I don't remember this beard. He had on a black. Uh, he His beard was shaving closer. It looked like he needed to shave that day. Okay, yeah. And he had a black hat on? He, and he had a black pack on, like a Salomon pack. pack. Okay. I think he had a hat on, too. I may have a picture of that. Gosh, I don't know. My brain was just like, everybody's screaming at me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it don't matter. Uh, we know. I mean, I know that's something that he does at that race. That when it yeah, gets yeah, somebody running, ran with me all the way to the finish. Yep. But anyway, so and people coming up to you after you cross and uh, treating you like uh, you won the race. Yeah, <laughs> interviewed by Ultra Running Mag. Was last. <laughs> has that come out yet? I know. I uh, know Ultra Running Mag interviewed you. Has that interview come out yet? No. Um. Actually, we don't. Our interview isn't until this Friday. We have an interview on Friday. Okay. So, yeah. That's exciting too. Cause I think Courtney is going to be in it as well is what that, what they told me. So they're having interviewing the first and the last place. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to go, <laughs> but she's also from Minnesota. Are y'all, so, are y'all talking at the same time? Like in a zoom call? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 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 I'm excited, but yeah. like, I've never done, you know, podcasts or anything like that, obviously. So. Hopefully I do okay. <laughs> Have you had some other in- invitations to be on other shows or podcasts? Yes, I do. Um, so I had a blogger that uh, he interviewed me yesterday. I had, I have a couple more people next weekend from, there's one's from Canada, uh, runspirited.com. And then I can't remember who the other one is. That Another guy, individual. runspirited guy used to be my coach, my ultra run. Ah, coach. no way. Henry Howard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. So Henry, and then I have one for um gosh, I can't even remember them all now. There's like, oh, here it is. Got gotta run racing. Okay. Somebody named Jody and there's a they're the Canadian team. Jody and Norm McNeil. And then um Marty, that's you. <laughs> yeah, the ultra running. And then um that other guy I just told you about. But that's all I have so far. That's plenty though. <laughs> it's funny how funny how you can win a race and Nobody, Nobody interviewed me from Lenox. <laughs> Be the last <laughs> finisher, and now you're a celebrity. <laughs> I'm just super stoked because of, um, honestly, again, like the whole, like Courtney's from Minnesota. And even though I'm not originally from Minnesota, I'm part of the Minnesota running community since 2003 now, you know, so like, or 2004, sorry. I've been here for a long, long enough time to, to be, feel like I'm a transplant here and um, part of this community. And this is where I started ultra running. So, and then Mark Smith, who finished like basically within the last minute, like I did. (laughs) I've got got his contact information too. Oh, you should definitely talk to him. He's great. (laughs) He's so funny. But um, yeah, he actually was coming. I, he passed me like in Auburn and he was like, I didn't think she was going to make it. I'm like, you jerk. That's what he was telling somebody. I didn't think she was going to make it. I'm like, what? <laughs> said, well, I can... for the record, I was ahead of you. Because <laughs> <laughs> we did that all the race. We went back and forth. I passed him. He passed me later. And he'd be feeling good. Oh, his feet looked terrible. <laughs> the bottom of his feet were just straight blisters. I didn't have anything like that. Me, it was just an energy issue that I got behind. And that's been obviously like a theme for me the last few races I've had. So I don't, yeah, I'm going to have to figure out a new strategy. I've been searching for that and I haven't figured it out yet, but I think a lot of it's to do with my age and being a woman. 
be frank about that. I think that there's some things changing with me that um, I'm trying to adapt to. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, I have a, a good friend of mine that has a podcast, Marathon Training Academy, Angie uh, and Trevor. I think they're from or up northeast somewhere, but they live in Pennsylvania now. But mm-hmm. they, uh, she talks a lot about that. She's a middle-aged woman, and mm-hmm. she she went through a process, you know, where her metabolism changed and all that, and and she got some help from a company called MetPro, I think it is. And uh, writing this down. She changed her diet <laughs> significantly, and uh, you know she's she's back on track. She's faster than she ever was. With she, I think her longest race is a fifty miler, but it's the same principles involved. You know she she was struggling with her body. You know the hormones or whatever happens. Yeah, it's just the power. It's yeah. like power and mojo. Like right. just, I have a hard time lose your mojo for a little while, lose it for a little while. And, um, I mean, I'm doing everything right. Like I like cut out all booze. I like made sure I slept all the time. I, that's what I did the entire time I trained for Western and, um, yeah, just like the returns, <laughs> you're not getting them as, as like you would, if I did everything like that back when I was in my thirties, <laughs> uh, man, yeah. I probably would have won a lot more. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you can get away with a lot more when you're younger, but now it's like you gotta just watch everything. I mean, yeah, maybe I'll check out that Metro thing. I would love to get back to where I was. It's like a nutrition, <laughs> nutrition coaching type thing, is what it is. Yeah. But anyway, they may, you know, they do a free consultation with you and tell you, you know, if they think they can help you. Oh, okay. It's worth looking so, into. But... So, what's next for you? If you already, uh, oh, I'm so glad you that. asked that. Yeah, because actually, so like Western was my 10th. So I thought that was so cool that it just happened to be my 10th 100. Yeah. Um, and so my, I, <laughs> so I, prior to finishing Western though, I had signed up for the lottery for Superior because one of my friends who's also on the endurance team with me for the Minnesota Army National Guard, he he's like, let's do it. He's an ultra runner too. He's like, let's go do it and represent the guard. I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool, but I hate that race. I don't want to go to that race. <laughs> but okay, I'll do it. I get sucked into things sometimes. And of course, we got in the lottery because, you know, I really didn't want to do it. <laughs> so yeah, that is what we're doing. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing how I perform. After completing Western, um, I have this month, which obviously I'm not doing very much training right now, but um, recovering is what I'm doing. And then August, basically, I'll just have August to do some hard stuff out at whitewater and then go do, um, superior. But like in theory, my adaptations and stuff from just from just performing at Western should help me do an okay finish. Yeah. Not trying to win, (laughs) (laughs) but I am trying to do better than I did before there, even though that was a not bad time for that race. I feel like Western was pretty hard, like going into it with that mindset, like Western was hard, but this should be easier. Maybe that'll help me. <laughs> yep. So well, that's maybe, what I've got planned right now. Maybe it's the mindset, you what you were saying, because you, I think you said it about the Texas race, too. You said not trying to win. Right. Maybe you need to go trying to win. Maybe that's. Well, the- actually, I say that, but I went into the Western. I went into the Texas race and I went. It was very aggressive. <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> I was in the lead for a while until okay. until overnight until I. Yeah. Until I ended up. I couldn't. I started that wheezing thing. It was like breathing through a straw. And I'm sure if I had an inhaler or something, 
it wouldn't resolve. That's why I probably just need to go to the doctor and get one. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's something I need all the time. It's just, yeah. yeah and those you like an exercise induced asthma or something like that's that. That's what it, that's what it was. Um, Hey, you learn, right. I should, yeah, definitely should go do that. Cause I, I was doing pretty good actually. <laughs> until yeah. Then. yeah. It wasn't a bad race until that point. It was, it's pretty technical though. Just so people know, um, I wasn't expecting that for that race. It's like, Oh, it's a looped course. Um, people, and the reason why I did that race was because another girl on the guard team, but she's from Texas. Um, the sergeant major had signed up for it. She's like, who else wants to go? It was going to be her first hundred. And it was only like 80 bucks. I'm like, I'll do it. Why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get the military discount, get in there. And, uh, but then she didn't go. <laughs> so I went down there by myself yeah. because I always do what I, you know, I always finish. I'm not going to waste any registration fees. No, <laughs> I'm going to go down there and do my best, whatever it is <laughs> that day. Yeah. It might. Yeah, well, you, you didn't mention anything about chafing or blisters or anything like that. But yeah, I really didn't have do any. You use, uh, do you use a product for that? Yes, I do. Which one? <laughs> I do use um, the nut butter. Um, Squirrel's yes, nut butter? I do. Yes, I do. Actually, we've convinced our local running store here in Minnesota to carry it. All right. Um, there's so many of us trail runners here. Yeah. And they they previously hadn't. They're really small, so they don't have a lot of stuff, but they, I mean, they do, but like, they just don't have, you know what I mean? It's not a huge place. Yeah. Um, they don't carry a lot of stock, but they do carry that now. So <laughs> pretty happy. Well, which, which of their products do you like the best? I They happen to be my sponsor. And so I can hook you up with some squirrels nut butter. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I've only ever used the, um, just like the big, you know, where you can. The, the, the roll on type. The roll on yeah. type. Have but you I ever tried the happy toes? No, I have never tried that yet. I did get a sample at the at race. race. Yeah. Yeah. So I plan on trying it because actually at the 30 mile point, um, I didn't use that, but we did use something on my feet. Like it was just like I had some diaper ointment stuff on my feet. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that actually helped. I've never put like something slippery like that on my foot in a race, just powder or something. But I actually think that it it helps to keep your um, from getting trench foot. Yeah. You know, it's that barrier between because even if you're not doing water crossings, you're still getting humidity in there or something and it just gets spongy. Yeah. So, One of my previous guests, Tanya Olson, who led the uh, foot care team at Michigan Bluff. That's actually what I did was foot care at Michigan Bluff. Oh, anyway, she wrote the book or co-wrote it, the book Fixing Your Feet. And so if you'll go back and look at my episode about maybe two months ago or a month and a half ago, I talked to her for a full an hour about foot care and she has lots of good tips in there about that about taking care of maceration is what they call when they get yeah. red and start looking wrinkled up you know yeah and it starts to like get fall apart for some people yeah I, and yeah. she she gives really good tips on what to do to keep to stay in the race that's yeah. awesome because actually superior that's a huge issue for people at superior Cause, um, even though there's not, I mean, there's a, there's a water crossing earlier on, but like, it's like, um, it's just so humid there and there's so much swampiness to it yeah. that your feet, it doesn't matter what you do. Like, even if you don't put your foot directly in water, you're going to get that on your feet. Yeah. So. <clears throat> well, I will, uh, I'll reach out to you and get a shipping address and I'll send you some squirrels nut butter. Oh yeah. Thank you. <laughs> might even be able to hook you up with one of her books. I was supposed to be getting a couple copies of that. And so I'll be glad to do that. Oh and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, 
I absolutely. I mean, I love talking about the military because I just love helping shape young minds. So that's what I've done my whole life, dedicated my life to doing that. So I well, thanks for your service for that and, and yeah. for continuing to try to build up our service because, you know, with so many options out there for kids and social media and all that, it's probably your job is probably harder than it's ever been, you know, but uh, somebody's going to do it. Yeah, you're not kidding. Yeah, it's challenging at times. Yeah, I but I think, um, honestly, though, like I talked about this a little bit at the beginning, but really the military is 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 where I started with running. Um, I mean, it's like changed my whole life. And I didn't, I only wanted it for the college money. Initially, <laughs> I wasn't interested. I never was like, oh, I want to be in the military. It wasn't like that. But like, I feel like every one of these kids has like an opportunity to really change their lives. Maybe it's not through running, but it's, through the empowerment that you feel by utilizing your own body, being part of a team, you know, being independent from your family and doing things on your own. Cause when you join the military, you're joining a gang. Right. <laughs> there's camaraderie, you know, like there's this huge other universe out there that you're part of now. And um, you do feel like you can just kind of attain. It helps that mindset. Like you, you develop an ultra running. And I actually help my kids with that mindset. I'm like, listen, look at me. I'm five foot one. I'm a female and I was on the front lines with all these guys before females were allowed. I was a, I deployed with 3000 guys back in 96. Uh, I went to Bosnia. Um, I don't know if I'd be, a, I think I would be more scared to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was dumb enough to not know how, how dangerous that was, <laughs> but you know, like it's really a mindset thing, you know, going into it, like that's going to get you through it and you can't skip ahead to the finish line. You got to like go from eighth station to eighth station. There's it's, Similar. Yeah. Just stay in the moment. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been great. Better than I could have ever expected. I sure appreciate it and enjoyed it. I can't wait to share it with everybody. Okay. I hope I didn't talk too much. No, you never. There's not. There's no such thing for a podcast, I don't believe. Okay. <laughs> Best of luck at Superior, and I hope to talk yeah. to you. Yeah. Happy for it to you. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Wow, I really enjoyed that. Jen is such a positive human and a very fast and talented runner. Just so happened to not be her day and to finish the Western States 100 with 21 seconds left in the golden hour. Wow, incredible. What a great story. And I really enjoyed being able to share it with you all. Stay tuned because I've got several more episodes coming out from western states as well as a couple of really good surprise episodes of badwater coming so i can't wait to share these episodes with you all so stay tuned i hope you're doing lots of running this summer because i'm putting out like two or three episodes a week love it i want to sincerely thank you for sharing some of your miles with marty today i know there's lots of things out there that you could give 60 to 90 minutes of your time and the fact that you chose me and my podcast and some of my awesome guests means the world to me also want to remind you that we're sponsored by squirrels nut butter squirrels nut butter comes in several different forms some of my favorites are the original gangster which comes in a plastic roll-on type tube similar to deodorant and it is an anti-chafe anti-blue 
blister salve that's always great. There's a new one that comes in a compostable tube that's entirely plant-based. And then there's the Happy Toes. The Happy Toes is a medicated product that has peppermint and tea tree oils. And it does a great job with repairing dry and cracked skin whilst providing an anti-blister type lubricant for your feet as well. So check them out on squirrelsnutbutter.com. Spread the lube and your blister and chafing issues will no longer be issues. 